Welcome everyone to the service here at Sandstone Community Church on, uh, on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Um, it is really great that we can be together again. And our prayer is that the pandemic, second, third, whatever wave, doesn't come to visit us in southeast Queensland. Our hearts reach out to people in Victoria, New South Wales, and many other countries around the world that are being severely affected by this pandemic. So I do welcome you here this afternoon. And for those who will be watching this in their lounge rooms, um, though I can't see you, I know that you can see us here. And so a very warm welcome in Jesus' name to you as you come to share in this service today. You know, it's an interesting thing. We, we live in a world where this particular graphic has some significance. The caption that should have gone on this screen was, Sometimes I sits and thinks, but mostly I just sits. And this afternoon I'm encouraging everyone who is watching or hearing this to not just sit, but to sit and think. You know, it's it's true that we live in a world where lots of people have questions about life. What, where, when, who, you know, people want answers and it doesn't matter what culture you come from. Um, those same questions are there and people have sought to answer those questions in different ways. Today, I'm wanting to share with you what I've considered for many years to be the big three the big three questions of life. And I'll explain those in just a moment. But recently, I was listening to um, Ravi Zacharias, an American pastor, theologian, philosopher. And uh, he was saying that there is really the big, not three, but the big four uh, questions that people are interested in. The first one is origin. Now I'll put a definition there of the word origin as a noun. It's a point where someone or something begins. Our origin. And, and we've put that into a question like this. Where have I come from? What's my origin? Then secondly, it's meaning. Why am I here on earth? What is the meaning? Is there any meaning? Is there any significance to why I'm here today? And the third big question was destiny. Is there anything after this life? Is there something beyond this life? What is my destiny? Origin, meaning, and destiny. They were my big three. And uh, Ravi Zacharias brought a fourth one, morality. Morality is talking about life values. And uh, it's framed in a question like this one. Is it possible to know right from wrong? And uh, he, uh, along with many others uh, who have been influenced uh, by his teaching, and the teaching of others says morality 
values are really important. The world we live in is having a struggle with some of these points. Origin, yeah. Meaning, they, they struggle with that. Destiny, and there are those who say there's nothing after this life. Morality, is there a, a life source that helps us to know that something is right or something is wrong? Our, our society today here in the West is uh, influenced by uh, a philosophy called relativism. Um, relativism is a, 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 a line of thought that says we can't know whether a thing is right or wrong. The individual has to make up their own mind. Now, I've got to tell you, there are some things in life that I just don't get. I don't get it. And, uh, and I've got one, and I'm sensitive in sharing it, because I know that there are people who have been influenced by this particular issue. And, um, but I'll share it anyway. It's a strange world that we live in where murdering a pregnant woman is considered to be a double homicide. That is, the death of the mother but also the death of the babe in the womb. But murdering an unborn baby is okay. It's legal. It's all right. And, and, and the Western world is really wrapped up in this uh, confusion, um, this inconsistency in values. Now, this is all under the guise of a woman's right to control her own body. And I, as much as anyone, believe that it is a woman's right to control her body. But, you know, in the same way that my freedom to swing my arm, my fist, my right to do that is fine, but it stops at the point of somebody else's nose. My freedom must not be at the expense of someone else's freedom. And uh, I remember over the years being willing to speak out in support of uh, the unborn. Some years ago, an American came to Northwest Tasmania when I was pastoring down there. And uh, he spoke in uh, Ulverston on the Northwest coast. And uh, his subject was the cry of the innocent. And, um, that book, uh, I have it on my shelf at home, and it really is arguing for the right to life for an unborn child. Now, that's what I say, I just don't, I don't get that. I, I understand it in a sense, but I have great difficulty lending my heart support to that philosophy of relativism. Now, this is not something that's new. Yeah, over a thousand years before Christ, probably 1100, something like that, uh, in Israel, Israel was being ruled by the, by the judges, you know, Samson and Deborah and Gideon and a whole heap of judges. Um, they were not kings, but they were ruling in Israel. And the reason for that 
was that Israel had a king. That king was God. And uh, there's an interesting little aside there on how they came to have a king. But uh, this is what the Bible says about what it was like in Israel. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And the verse goes on to say, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right. Is it really that much different today? No, I think that's the secular culture in which we are living. And I'm here tonight to say, beware, be aware that uh, the philosophy of relativism is alive and well in our culture. It is not alive and well in the mind of God, though. Uh, God has spoken and uh, we need to listen to what God has said. Now, questions thinking people ask, and I'm, I'm bold to do this tonight because I know that the people who are listening to this uh, are more likely to be thinking people than people who just accept the culture of our day. But, but thinking people ask questions about God. Is there a God? And if there is, and of course we say there is, what is he like? What is God like? Now, I'm going to ask that question and try to answer it. And I'm answering it with some theological answers, but I will seek to explain each one. What the Bible has to say about God is that God is omnipotent. Now, there's a big word. We don't use that word every day, do we? But it means omni, all, potent, powerful. The God of the Bible is the God who is all powerful, awesome in power, awesome in majesty. Not only is he omnipotent, that, that means there's nothing God cannot do. He is omniscient. That, that word means all knowing. And when I think of the omniscience of God, it reminds me that I, I, I can't hide anything from God because he knows everything. That is the God of the Bible. And then God is omnipresent. And that's the last omni I'm going to mention tonight. But that tells us that he's present everywhere. There's nowhere I can go and hide from God because God is there. And the psalmist talked about that. and says, no matter where I am, God is present. And that is a great encouragement to know that there's nowhere I can go, there's nothing that I can do, there's nothing that I can think, that God is not there. God is holy, he is just, he is true, he is perfect, he judges with justice, and he is thoroughly true. Jesus talked about that, didn't he, when he was explaining who he was, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Not only is that part of the nature and character of God, but God is loving. And I'm here today to say that God loves unconditionally. Because he is love. God is forgiving. He is willing to forgive us. He, he will forgive you. He will forgive me. 
because his nature is in by nature he is willing to forgive and he extends undeserved favor to us he is willing to help us uh, how do i know that well because the bible says that while we were yet sinners christ died for us he was willing to come to us at our point of need and and tonight god is there to help you he does not want to leave you alone uh, he wants to be your helper he wants to be your friend and that undeserved favor that god wants to offer to us god reaches down uh, from the lofty heights of his forever heaven and he extends to you and to me grace and uh, that's my theme tonight the amazing grace of god you know grace means undeserved favor and that's why i called it that on the previous screen god shows undeserved favor to us the awesome grace of god that's my title and as i thought about that really god prompted me that while grace is awesome we could say it another way the grace of an awesome god god is wonderful to those who know him who love him who trust him uh, the awesome character of a mighty god is a real day-by-day experience well thinking people ask questions not only about god but thinking people ask questions about man how does all of this relate to us as individuals we're all human so what is man like what are humans like and and i've made this point here because i think it's important for us to acknowledge that when the Bible talks about man, he's not talking just about males. He's talking about humans. He's talking about humanity. When God created man right back in the beginning, he created them male and female. And he created them to complement each other. But so when I say what is man like, I'm talking about what, is, what are men and women, what are young people like, boys and girls. Uh, what, is, what, are, what are the questions that are relevant uh, for us in this particular subject here we are just what is man like well the bible tells us a lot about our humanity it tells us for instance that we've been created in the image of god male and female as i've just said and when god had finished his creation he declared something about it he didn't say that it was fair to midland he didn't say that it was just good the bible says he said it was very good he looked over all that he had made and behold it was very good and again relativism uh, we are confronted in our culture today by people having a low view of themselves low sense of self-esteem um, people are saying uh, i don't know what life's about and i'm not worth very much I want you to know that God says that he created you and God doesn't make junk. 
That's the first thing that we need to note about man. And uh, you'll notice a red but here. But man rebelled against God and he did what was right in his own eyes. That's the verse we read from Judges earlier, wasn't it? The Bible says that all of us are sinners. We have all rebelled against God. We all need a saviour. That's what man is like. The Bible talks about it in terms of man being in a relationship with God and then we are fallen. We fell out of that relationship with God because of the choices that we made as men and women and young people in the world. So man created us for a place of honour. But we, by our choices, failed to, to, to maintain that relationship with God. We could talk about that perhaps on another time. The third thing is, I want us to recognise that God sent his one and only son to save us. That's the good news. It was this sandwich psychology. It was good news, bad news and good news all rolled into one. Now our reading tonight is from Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 10. And uh, I've written it up here so that you can read it and hopefully I can leave it there long enough uh, for you to read it through. But you'll notice man's problem right up front. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's the bad news first, isn't it? And the next verse says, see the red? But God. This is about God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, the bad news, here's the good news. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There's a wonderful statement about destiny in those verses there. And uh, these are the verses that I encourage people to memorize. I should have changed the color of it so that it's pretty obvious to all. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What did we say grace was? Undeserved favour. When we talk about being saved through faith, uh, that word faith is misunderstood in the world in which we live too. Uh, faith, some people think they have faith in God simply because they believe that God exists. 
Uh, and there's a verse in the Bible that, that raises that, uh, where the Bible writer says, you say that you believe God exists, you do well. Even the demons believe that God exists. The faith that's being talked about here is not a faith in the existence of God, though we do need to understand that God exists. But this faith is what uh, Bible commentators talk of in terms of trusting in, relying upon, depending upon God. We would call that a saving faith. It's not something we do. It is a gift from God. And uh, there are people who read verse 9 and they find that to be a shocking truth because they have the idea that they have to earn salvation. They have to earn it. And when people stand before God, uh, if they don't have a personal faith in Jesus, they're saying things like, well, I just hope that I've done enough good things to outweigh the bad things that I have done. No, salvation in the Bible, Bible salvation is not a result of works. So that I don't have anything to boast of. And I don't boast about my good works. I boast about the work of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So when I stand before God, I will not be saying to God, look, God, you know, you sent Jesus, but look what I've done. You know, you and me, we made a great team. You paid the price on the cross, Lord Jesus, and I have worked for you. No, it's not going to be like that. I want to say when I stand before God, Lord, it's all of you. It is all of you. You've done it all. Even my believing in you, my trusting in you, was really the work of your spirit in my heart and, and mind. And verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, I think about the grace of God, the awesome grace of God, the grace of an awesome God, the undeserved favour of God. And I, I really ask myself the question, what does that mean? Grace upon grace, John talked about in John 1.16. God's grace, God's undeserved favour is there for you and it's there for me. Grace to be saved, grace to live in the present, grace to accomplish the destiny that God has for us in the future, in his forever heaven. Tonight, I want to encourage you to know that God's undeserved favour is available to you and to me. We are dependent on having God's favour, undeserved though it is, but freely offered by God to each one of us. May God bless us as uh, we go into this next week and we think about the grace, the awesome grace of an awesome God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this truth, a truth for today. And we thank you that we can uh, stop and recognize 
that the salvation that you have offered to us is all of God. It's you. It's your work uh, on our behalf. Lord Jesus, we love you because you came from heaven's glory, lived amongst men, took our sin and paid its price when you died on the cross of Calvary. And we just thank you tonight. We worship you because we know that death could not hold Jesus down. Not only did he pay the price for sin, but rose victorious from the grave. So that today we are not loving and trusting and serving a dead saviour, but we have the privilege of coming to a living saviour and Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of God, work in our lives, we pray. And now at the end of this day, our, our prayer for one another is that that grace of God, that undeserved favour of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus in our lives may guide and accomplish in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.